Crocodile man, a witch woman, a guy yeah. that can send himself on fire. Right. Are you blind? <laughs> and she's like, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people are in line for a popcorn. Hey, third person in line. What kind of popcorn do you want? Yeah. I'm right. gonna quit. I'm All right, put down my resignation. Bro, and you're a better toilet <laughs> fixer than we ever know. <laughs> Welcome to the JRR Talk Show. I am one of your hosts, Robert Burry, joined as always by the, what did I call him? Damn Musketeer it. of Movies. The Musketeer of Movies, Robert Spears Floyd. It was Musketeer. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, and John came up with his own name this week. Oh, the DC Demigod? So dumb. I had a better one, but <laughs> womp, John decided womp. that one. <laughs> uh, this is the JR Talk Show. Each week we come together, we talk about movies, we talk about TV, uh, anything we want to. Um, there's a bunch of places you can find us. We are on SoundCloud, we are on iTunes. You can go to our Facebook page, like our page there. You know, with that out of the way, I guess, let's move into the news. News, 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 First thing Olaf. Frozen Adventure, one of Disney's less lauded short films, will soon be leaving theaters after screening in front of Pixar's Coco. Thank God. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> right? Yay. Yay. God. <laughs> uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it was definitely like, it for sure, I think must have soured some reviews for people. Just because like it put me in such a bad mood when that just started, like going into the movie. Half and, an hour. Just right? like, you have to sit there for another half an hour. It's like it's so like it just yeah it does like I'm like I'm, I'm my feelings with Coco is still the same but it definitely did not it didn't do anything it did not to prep me for the right kind of movie no. it felt like it was like a TV special that was like supposed to be on the Disney Channel for the the season and then they just decided to tack it on because they wanted to build up the Frozen hype again well who were we were talking to somebody that apparently was supposed to be involved with the. 30 or 25 days of Christmas for ABC family. Oh yeah. And that like fell through. So they just had this short that had nowhere to go. And that's why I got put in front of Coco. Ugh, gross. <laughs> yeah. As a fan, it as, felt a, like it. as a fan of frozen, not my cup of tea. Not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> it didn't hit, it, it did not hit any of the charm that, that movie had. No. And they definitely focused on the worst character to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving along with Disney news. Disney and 21st Century Fox are now closing in on a deal that could come as soon as next week, according to sources familiar with the matter. We've yeah. talked we've talked about this for a yeah. while, but it's like it's still just like crazy. It's, crazy. it's nuts. It's and just a lot. I mean, it's it's kind of scary. Like that kind of just like merger is always going to shake things up. And I, you know, like to be honest, I don't know if I want Fox to have all that money, anyways. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, just it's I'm I'm. It's like standing on the like edge, watching two trains rushing at each other. You can't look away, but you're just so interested to see how it's all gonna pan out. But Rowan, there's nothing wrong with a monopoly. It's not. There's nothing wrong with giving all our money to it's one. It's not resource. a monopoly. There's other, you know, movies. It's an oligopoly. It's like <laughs> It'll just be interesting to see what For happens. Now. Yeah, right. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the more like mature ones, like Deadpool and even like Logan. No, in yeah. like those universes as far as like will those have any place in the Marvel universe going forward for what they True that. you know have planned yeah and then with the stuff that's still like you know in development like Deadpool 2 I think is done filming but because like, that's supposed to come out in the summer I think but then you've also got there's the uh, they released some more information about the new X-Men movie like all these things that are actually like you know in the pipeline that what's going to happen to those 
once if Disney, you know, buys everything and gets a hold of those properties as well. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I can't wait. Right. <laughs> um, keeping in with superhero news, quote unquote, DC shakeup in the works after Justice League stumbles. Uh, Warner Brothers is planning a That's shakeup kind. and restructuring of its DC film operation according to or following the box office di- disappointment of Justice League. Variety has learned. Uh, John Berg will be leaving his current job running the comic book films production division, according to several sources uh, with knowledge in the studio's plans. Um, search is underway for his replacement. Man. I mean, if you swing three times and you miss every time, you're out. <laughs> you well, it's weird, too, because they <laughs> haven't like missed every time. Like They've been well-received. Well, not not well received critically, but like as far as box office, like the movies have made money for yeah. sure. But this is the first one that like, you know, it technically still made double its budget, you know, as of now. But that's not enough for a movie like that for a franchise building kind of thing. And uh it's interesting in this article it further they talk about that in January there's gonna be like more stuff that they're gonna be doing. So it'll be interesting to see yeah what more comes of this. Yeah. <laughs> Like this, there's like it's like the same thing. Like there's so many things already in the pipeline. They're yeah. like, like well, where do they fall in now? Like yeah, because well, Aquaman's completely done shooting. Like they're you know they're getting ready for you know starting to show stuff of that. You would assume. Yeah, we we found we we got an official still of the film of you know Jason Momoa just being Aquaman. Nothing special, yeah. but then like they're they still cast casting yeah, for cast Captain Marvel for Shazam. Yeah. yeah, and it's like okay, so these aren't changing. These are for all we know staying staying the course. So anything, you know, like, and I, I guess going to the, going to the next article, like, yeah, or anyway, just, we can just roll into the next one. Cause, uh, you know, Ben Affleck is more than likely not returning to be Batman except for contractually for his appearance in the next flash movie, which is flashpoint, which basically gives them a perfect out to get rid of him anyways. Yeah, if it is a reboot movie. Sort of thing. Like if, if I'm they, just saying that in general, the like if they're gonna get rid of him, Flashpoint makes the most sense. Yeah, you know if they're actually going to reboot him versus like, you know, doing what they did from Batman Begins to Dark Knight, where they just swap the actor without saying you know anything about it. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's I I I like to view it as steps where like maybe like you know Batman versus Superman Suicide Squad that's the wrong step, but then you got Wonder Woman that's the right step. Totally. Then you got just like. The wrong step, but now they're learning. So we it's got, a better now, step. Now than we're gonna the go. Ones t- we're sure. taking a better step. Hopefully for the best. <laughs> I <Yeah>. don't know. <laughs> I just it's you know when you when you're working in this big of steps and each step costs as much money as it does. <laughs> like oh, like they're making bad decisions, man. It's just crazy. Bad decisions. I mean, I mean, I hope you know. I always hope for the best. Like I'm a huge DC fan. Like we shit on DC a lot, but I want them to be successful because yeah. like. Their stories, I think, are better than Marvel's. And it's, you know, frustrating as a fan to watch Marvel be so successful and do all this cool <laughs> stuff with Infinity War and watch DC just fall so hard in his face with every movie that it comes out with. Yeah. Like, and I just, as a fan, can't endorse a not good enough thing. Like, there's totally things for the fans in all these movies, but it's not good enough. No. The only only good DC films in the past years have been Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight yeah, movies. Which were That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is that like at this point in time, I don't know if modern audiences has it in them to hear like we are starting the DC universe over again, right? Like, yeah. you know, like if they're just like, <laughs> so those last three Superman movies you saw, but they're done, and now we're moving on to something else. Like, I feel like they're just it's gonna be a 
I guess like if DC's ever gonna get on its feet, it's gonna be a slow crawl to it. Like it's we're not gonna see it in one movie. We're gonna see it over maybe they're gonna swap themselves around in the next few movies. I don't know. Like I it's just expensive. Just like looking at like oh Spider Man, how many iterations of Spider Man we've gotten in movie form like so quickly yeah in the past couple decades it's like taking flack for that like it's people... got it's taking flack for that but like they you know they finally hit their mark with right. uh the current spider-man tom, tom holland Kevin. yeah uh yeah. but like you know like if you know i don't i don't care at this point if they just want to reboot shit for the sake of rebooting it it's the subject's already passed you know it is what it is yeah i think um there goes my turn of thought i don't remember what i was gonna say Cool. Cool. Um, you know, oh, it was, uh, I was thinking about, um, Nolan was talking this week about like the advantage he had with his like trilogy of films versus like Mm. the ecosystem that is superhero movies now. And where for him, it wasn't like they had to make another than another and build all these other characters. It was like, he was just making, oh, I'm just gonna make a Batman movie and then I'm gonna have a sequel to batman and like you know he just had those he wasn't building other characters bringing stuff in he's like i don't i don't envy these guys at all because he he says like he had time on his side like no matter what he always had time because there was no pressure in making a universe there was yeah yeah yeah, i get to make a dark knight oh hey you know i also got to make inception in between like it's Mm -hmm. like i got yeah he was able to basically take breaks in between them you know creative breaks essentially but yeah it happens yeah. Uh, what is that noise? Do you know what that noise is? I don't know what that popping sound is. Are you popping? With, are you playing with something in your hand? I mean, I'm not like I'm just like uh, moving it. it around, but yeah. I'm not like actually. What is it that you have in your hand? I'm like this, but I'm just like. Oh yeah, I can. I'm hear just it. holding it. You can yeah. totally hear it. I yeah. don't know what you're doing with it. We can hear if it. If you're like clicking it or something, I can hear something. <laughs> All right, I'll keep it on my hand. John, you son of a bitch. I blame you for this being a terrible. Uh, moving on last piece of news um, sources close to uh, deadline say that Tarantino has cooked up a great idea quote unquote for a Star Trek movie after sharing his idea with J.J. Abrams who reviewed the series um, and plan- a plan has reportedly been put into place to assemble a writer's room to begin building a script if all goes well Tarantino may direct the film that Abrams will be attached to produce and it will be rated R yeah isn't that crazy I just, I, I, this is one of those things. I'm just going to wait for the teaser. I'm just going to wait for the trailer and see what happens. I mean, like, I, I've never seen Tarantino not be Tarantino. Yeah. Right. Like I've never Mm -hmm. seen Tarantino try to do a property before. And, you know, I respect him enough as like a filmmaker that I imagine that he could do it. But it's so hard for me to imagine what that would look like. And it's really hard for me to imagine Star Trek with a Tarantino flair. Like, it's really hard for me to, like, just, like, I'm afraid it will lose itself from what Star Trek is even more than the last ones have. Right, like I think the last. Did you see the last one? I haven't seen that. The, the, I think the, the last one really one. got back into what like it was Star Trek. I really liked that one a lot, and I thought it was really underappreciated. Beyond, yeah. Um, I think it's just so crazy to me because like you would assume, you know, based on their because apparently they have there's still another movie coming out that they haven't really talked about yet. But this, so you would assume this will be after that. Do they try to put it in this same you know 
Kirk, you know, in the mm. original Star Trek crew reimagination, or is it just like, you know, do we do like a Deep Space Nine or a you know Voyager like offshoot kind of thing? Because like I can't imagine <laughs> a story with the current Enterprise crew we have with Tarantino like esque vibes on it. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, I saw today another article that came out was that uh, Patrick Stewart commented that he would be happy to return as uh, Picard under Tarantino. he looks exactly the same. I know. <laughs> uh, but I was just like, you know, so it's just interesting to see, like, where would they go with it? And, like, you know, you can already see the memes already there with... You know, the Klingons, say it again, motherfucker, say it again. You know, like, it's just going to be, I just, is it going to be like the Kill Bill bloodbath? Like, what are we? I just need like a plot summary or something like that. Because I just, like, my mind is racing. (laughs) This is like, I I don't know what to, I don't know what to think. Yeah, Yeah. what would he come up with? Like, you know, because he has an idea, essentially, that he hasn't written it, but he has like an idea. Like, what would it be? Like, yeah, what, what could have grabbed them? To just say, like, hey, let's take this seriously and have Tarantino's, like, sit down with us. Right. I mean, he can probably do that, honestly, with anyone, but... Sure. I mean, he's a great storyteller and probably knows how to pitch, But how, like, are they, how do they... How... Yeah, like, how does it, it fit? Unless right, they're trying just... to do something new, you know, trying to change something up. Yeah. I'm just, like... If anything, the thing I'm most excited about this prospect is the idea of seeing what Tarantino can do when he's not being full Tarantino, you know? Totally, yeah. How it'd be can interesting he, to see the reins pulled back? How can him. he go into another property and respect that property without just like? Yeah, would he even be able to? Right, would he be able to? You mm-hmm. know, like well, that's like like with the what the Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. I love, I really love the first half of that movie mm-hmm. before it turns into a classic no, bloodbath, yeah. like turns yeah, into a bloodbath. A... But like, did that mystery, the, the 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 stage play aspect of it all, just like like it's like, oh man, you really got me like really invested in this like mystery western. But then, like, it, it turns into, you know, blood here, people die here. And it's like, all right, we're back to Tarantino. Like, and, like it's fine. It's a good, I, right. I like the movie fine. But it's like, I really wished he didn't do it that way in the last half. Right. Yeah. He, he went full Tarantino and you're like, yeah, just pull it back. Because, like, the first half was solid. Yeah, because that's like, that's like the weird, like, you know, two sides to Tarantino mm-hmm. that, like, seems so... Like, they're at odds with each other at all times that I feel like don't let me enjoy a lot of his films. I'm not a huge fan of him. Like, I can appreciate him as as a director and as, like, oh, especially, yeah. like, a dialogue director. Oh, yeah. Like, he knows how to do that better than most people. But I think he just has other shortcomings that, for me, just pull me out of movies and just make me not enjoy them. And they just mm-hmm. become sometimes, you know, too in their head about stuff. But it'll be interesting to see if he can balance that in a Star Trek environment. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be weird. Just... You know, Spock just like ripping someone's throat out and <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, doing all this weird stuff. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the uh, news for this week. So I guess we're gonna move on to our meat and potatoes. Blub, blub. <laughs> that was disgusting. I was trying to think of a meat and potato yeah, sound. Oh no, yeah, it didn't work. I mean, yeah, it didn't work. Um, sure. This week we're gonna be talking about something that happened last night, which is the video game awards. Boop, boop. Um, so the video game awards is held every year now. It's been going on for about five years, I think, um, hosted by Jeff Keighley. Uh, he does a really cool job of like really building. He has built an Oscars without there being a platform for that to exist. It used to be on spike. It used to be on TV. Now it's just streamed on. You can basically watch on whatever service. Um, and it's really cool. Like they do a lot of like 
it's cool watching last year's show and watching this year's because last year the big deal was like they had the Shik Hydro Man, which was like this guy in this weird like robot Shik costume, mm-hmm. and everyone hated it. And this year, like he got different. You know, there's always gonna be ads and stuff like that. You have to make money on these, but it was cool to see like him listen. And he was in a lot of, um, from what I heard, a lot of different video game forums, listening to people taking suggestions and being like, "We've got this is better." And like each year, the award show's been better and better. Oh and better. yeah. Like I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I tuned into some of it, and I've watched some clips since last night. And I remember the first one, and it was a garbage fire. <laughs> like that was just a, such a badly run show, and this one was way better. Yeah, like it felt more respectful of the community, and also just like it felt like it was had the the circum pump and circumstance that it deserved totally. for. It felt of- it felt like you know the Oscars, like you know. Emmys and stuff like that. Yeah, Any, like Golden real, Globes. Um, a lot of cool like game reviews, which is awesome. Um, I, it's just like a fun like show. Um, so we're just gonna kind of talk about some of the categories. We can talk about some of the games and just you know what we thought about them. Uh, first, we're gonna talk about which is ironic because it's the Shik Hydro Award, <laughs> best debut indie game. Yeah, presented by Shik Hydro. Uh, so there was a bunch of different. Uh, uh, the nominees for this list were Cuphead, Slime Rancher, Mr. Shifty, Hollow Knight, and Golf Story. Um, I've played three of the five of these games. Um, I very much agree with basically what the award was, which was Cuphead by Studio MDHR. I really pulled for a Hollow Knight, uh, but I love Cuphead and Hollow Knight, you know, like equally. They're great games. Um, I'm I'm happy that Cuphead won. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things like I've heard good things about Gulf Story. Yeah. I've kind of heard Slime things Rancher about Mr. Shifty, but Slime Rancher is like, like that was a weird one. Like, I don't, I don't know that one. That's, that's just hard for me, but you know, you can't, you can't beat Hollow Knight and Cuphead. No, those are, yeah, yeah. those are solid games. That yeah. Came out the, this year. That, that's kind of like that when that's what kind of been like, that's been the thing about this whole year of video games. It's been awesome. Yeah. This oh, is if you are a gamer it's this year, it's been year. incredible. So it's, it's. When you're on this list, if you even made the list on any of these categories this year, your game was incredible. Like, there's nothing to be, like, taken away that you didn't win a category. Being in the category is basically just as good as winning because there was so much quality content for video games this year. But, like, Cuphead, man. Like, the game had no reason being as good as it is and how well-received it is with how much, you know, issues there were, how long it took for it to came out. Like, they originally, it was just a Bosch Rush boss rush mode then they added like platforming then that was terrible like all these different things like hearing the story of cuphead and then when it came out it's like this game's awesome like i love the art style it's not for me because i'm terrible at those kind of games but like (laughs) i can still very much appreciate everything that it is like like all the animation all that kind of stuff like visually is incredible Mm -hmm. i think it just shows like as a game cuphead is like a prime example of like what happens when you take the time to make something well Right, like, oh yeah, like it's this real small team that made that game. They just like developed it, worked on it, and worked on it. And like, I've watched multiple YouTube videos now of just people like talking about the level design and the boss fight designs, and just like how it like takes everything on those classic side scrollers, but also does it better for a modern audience. And I find, you know, like they just did such a good job and they definitely deserve the reward. In my opinion, it's really cool too. Cause they're a Canadian studio. And I saw today on Twitter that, uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, <laughs> had like retweeted them winning and being like, it's awesome to see like a Canadian developer win. I was like, that's so cool. Like to have like, you know, you're like, cause he's the uh, uh, ambassador. 
Prime Minister. Prime Minister. Whatever they call it. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. You know, for them. And so it's just like cool to see like they, you know, got recognition not just from us, but you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's really yeah. cool. Outside of the game community. Um, we're going to cu- skip a couple categories because we don't really have <laughs> anything to say on it. It's like best esport player and best esport team. Like yeah. I have nothing to say about any of those. Uh, but the next one is best esports game. Um, so the nominees for the category were Overwatch, Rocket League, League of Legends, Dota 2, and uh, CSGO. Overwatch ended up winning, and I think as far as like you know you look at league of legends and dota they are obviously the bigger and even csgo those are probably the biggest games out there right now for like esports but what overwatch has done i feel like this year to make itself a contender in the esports world has been huge like watching the very first uh overwatch tournament at um blizzcon last year versus one this year it was a different game you were watching a different oh, game yeah. and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like having just the, the uniforms, changing up how the whole camera system works so you can like see different players, the adaptive camera where it's like that wasn't com- it wasn't person controlled, it was computer controlled on what was going on. Like watching it, like it is now a watchable esport. Whereas mm-hmm. last year it was like, I don't know what you guys are going to do about this. Like it was super cool. And I think it's really interesting how much they've focused on turning it into an esport. Like, for me, you know, I think that like League of Legends and Dota, I mean, are they deserve a lot of like recognition for what they've done for that budding form of competition. But I think Overwatch is for me the first real step in showing esports is like I don't know, it was it's exciting, right? Like the the gameplay is like stuff that you wanna watch. And I think that you can watch it even if you don't know a lot about the game. It's still interesting how the teams are developed, how the camera works, and all the stuff they've done. So I think that yeah, I think Blizzard's when you, really turning into yeah. something that like they almost want a layman being able to like watch. Totally, and that's like I think I think it's much. I would say out of this, Rocket League's the easiest because it's just you know soccer with cars. But Overwatch <laughs> did a really good job of like making it more approachable for sure. Whereas like League and Dota, it's still like I feel like the knowledge level you have to have to even just watch it to understand it is so high. That like Overwatch did a really good job of like showing everything in a very basic way, giving us a visual of what's going on and like explaining everything really well to us. And I think they've really pushed themselves forward to be, you know, and hopefully they keep continuing being one of the things that can make it mainstream. Um, another one we're gonna I'm I'm gonna skip because I don't know much about this <laughs> training gamer. I mean, the only person, I mean, I know who Doctor Disrespect is from Twitch. Um, Steven Spawn of Able Gamers is awesome. They do a lot of uh, different work with modifying controllers for people with disabilities, um, that kind of thing. So he runs a really cool uh, charity. Um, Shroud is an esports player. Um, Clint Lexa, half-coordinated. I don't know who he is. And then Andrea Renee, uh, she runs What's Good Games. She's on a bunch of different like video game stuff. She does a lot of hosting. She was actually like the... Um, person who interviews people after they won mm-hmm. at the game awards so she's out there she does a lot of presentations she also did uh she hosted the nintendo world championships that happened like two months ago yeah so dr disrespect one you know he's a huge twitch you know guy uh it was funny someone was talking about they're like watching him like i understand why people like wrestling now because he just plays like a character oh yeah he's like if i watched like you know knew what this guy was and watched wrestling as a kid I, like, I would get it more he's like i get why people like wrestling i get like the you know right all that kind of stuff i thought was interesting um best indie game yeah uh so the nominees in this category were cuphead 
uh, by Studio MDHR, Pyre by Supergiant Games. Um, what we just talked about it. We no, no, this is just indie game. So like that was presented by Schick, and then there's the independent. that's debut indie game because these are different. Yeah, it's a oh, different category. Gotcha. It can be confusing for those listening, yeah. but yeah, there's two independent game awards. And so this basically is a similar category. Um, God, how crazy. <laughs> that was more kind of like independent studio thing. Um, Pyre by Supergiant Games, they did Bastion and... Uh, Bastion and Transistor. Transistor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night in the Woods, and What Remains of Edith Finch, and Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Man, what a lineup. Right. Like, these For are... Indie games. All of these indie games have just, like... I haven't gotten a chance to play all of them. All of them are on my list to play. Yeah. And all of them have been getting killer reviews. So, like, what... A, hell of a lineup for this year's indie games yeah every yeah. every one of these games has piqued my interest have not played any of them except for cuphead but like man these games are like these, well they they're also like different too which is what's cool it's not like all just like the same like weird thing like cuphead you've got like a platformer like action you know shooter kind of thing i mean you know side scroll shooter uh pyre which apparently is just like a weird like basketball game it's like <laughs> it's an like, rpg basketball game yeah which sounds awesome fantasy basketball it's <laughs> yeah awesome is not the word i thought i thought of when they Described it, but uh, really, I mean, it's in getting really good reviews. You know, Bastion Transistor, yeah. off Night in the, the Woods is you know kind of like an old style, like uh, similar to like Earthbound and stuff like that, like RPG Which story is incredible. Yeah, it's very well done. What remains of Edith Finch? The typical kind of like walking simulator, quote unquote, you know, yeah. story based <laughs> game. Uh, seems like a really interesting story. Then you've got Hellblades into a sacrifice, which was uh, it is nominated for a bunch of other awards that they were talking about but it's cool it's about you know like mental illness like very much like they did a bunch of dev diaries talking about um how they like went to psychiatrists and talked to different like mental health like specialists and like what it is like to hear voices and they like did a bunch of dev diaries and it's really Mm -hmm. cool and like the game is presented in a way that makes you feel like you're hearing voices and like going insane kind of thing. So it's just like a really interesting story through that. Yeah. It's, that one also, like I know that uh, the mental illness <coughs> thing has been controversial, whether or not they succeeded in doing that, but a lot of people like l- enjoy the fact that they took the time, even yeah. whether or not some of the presentation could have been done better or not. But one thing that was really cool about that one is that the developer's idea was they wanted to do a triple a style game for half the budget. Yep. And yeah, because Ninja Theory was the studio that did, and they've, you know, they've, they're a pretty big studio. And the, their argument is that AAA budget games do not need to be as costly as they are. And yep. I think they did a really good job of showing that you can, if you're focused, if you're not trying to like, and their main thing was you're not trying to appeal to everyone, you're yep. going for a target audience. And I was, I can, I respect that. <laughs> um, when we can kind of glance, glass, gloss over. Most anticipated game presented by McCafe. Uh, Last of Us Part 2, Red, Redem- Red, Red, blah, Red Dead Redemption Part 2, uh, Monster Hunter World, Marvel's Spider-Man, and then God of War. Last of Us 2 won that. Pretty obviously, I feel like, when you look at that list. Like, Red Dead Redemption 2 is probably that would have been the my, biggest yeah. like, number two. I would have, I would have, I think I would have gone for Red Dead, just I thought that would have had a mass, more mass appeal. But I'm excited to see that Last of Us 2 won. Yeah, I'm way more excited about that. I was never a big Red Dead fan, but Last of Us 2. It's also older, in quotations, than Last of Us, so most people, you know, you you get a younger crowd every year that, like, just gets into gaming, so, like, Last of Us is the most most recent one. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) Uh, Best multiplayer game. 
Uh, so there's more in this category for than other ones for whatever reason. Six six uh, nominees: Player Knowns Battlegrounds, Fortnite, Call of Duty World War Two, Splatoon Two, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, and then Destiny Two. Player Knowns Battleground being the winner, I think obvious kind of answer to that category. Yeah, I mean, like I think the, there's I I thought it was really interesting. Like for me, I never ha- I have not played the original Player's Unknown Battleground. I've only was introduced to the playstyle of that through Fortnite. Mm. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Fortnite. I really respect what the developers are doing with that game, especially a lot of the content is free, you know, and that they continue to like every month have a new game for people to play or new thing. Like it's for a game that is still considered like in preview, like they are just doing a lot to like be a part of their community. So that the two of those competing, I was, you know, like, oh, I kind of wanted Fortnite to win, but I totally want to give, you know, PUBG just like, we have to give it to them for the fact that they like developed a new type of multiplayer game. Well, and they broke just a ton of different records this year. Like they became the single most concurrent game ever played on Steam, oh, right. breaking like a five-year-old record by Dota Two. Like, and they kept beating these records. They sold twenty-four million units this year. Yeah, like just a ridiculous number for for as of right now being an only PC game. Mm-hmm. Like it's breaking all these different records, um, and Fortnite. Obviously, the 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 thing I thought I didn't think Fortnite was gonna win, but like obviously it has the advantage of being on all the consoles right now right. and being a lot more prolific and being free. Um, but yeah, PUBG it started a a sensation, <laughs> like, and that's not taken away from these. Like Call of Duty, you know, it's the typical yearly thing of yeah. Call of Duty. Splatoon two, from what I've heard, is awesome. I love Mario Kart, and then Destiny two is great as well. They're just different. You know, well, most, I, was, I mean, most of these are just kind of sequels, so yeah. we've already seen them. But PUBG, that's that's fresh. It changed something. Like, yeah. like it's like super new. Like super just change the game. There's a the game. great extra credits episode that people should check out for PUBG, which is they talk about how PUBG's game is the perfect example of a thriller movie in game form, <laughs> just like it hits all the arcs of being in a thriller, just like the tension of being on that battleground and not knowing where your enemies are and just like scavenging for goods. And just like the gunshots in the distance. And then when violence happens, it's so fast. Like it's not like call of duty where you're like 15 minutes of guns blazing. It's just like there's one shot and it's over. And I don't know. I love the game style and I think they deserve the rewards they got. It's great. Uh, next category was best strategy game. Uh, the nominees were Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, XCOM 2 War of the Chosen, Tooth and Tail, Total Warhammer 2, and Halo Wars 2. Mario plus Rabbids was the one that ended up winning. I think the reason this won was because it made people who've never played a strategy game play a strategy game. Sure. I think that's why that's it won. Valid. XCOM 2 basically, and that's it's War of the Chosen. It's not XCOM 2. It's the uh, DLC that came out. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I think, you know, Halo Wars 2 did not do well, did not review well. Right. It apparently wasn't the best, you know, <laughs> strategy game I mean, ever. I'm a huge fan of Total War Warhammer. <laughs> what a great game. It's so good. Um, I think besides Tooth and Tail that had the least reach for sure. Yeah. I hadn't heard about it until this award, and I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, though. Tooth and Tail looks cool. But yeah, Mario Plus Rabbids, I played it. I had It was fun. I mean, it got a little, like, I just wanted to finish it at the end. Like, just be like, all right, let's let's go. But, like, as far as, like, taking what seemingly are like, ugh, man, this is going to be stupid. And it was, like, it was fun. Like, they mm-hmm. did a good job. It's Nintendo letting people take control of their license, which 
they either in the past have been terrible results or they just don't do it at all. So it's cool to see Nintendo kind of, it seems like this year they're turning a corner versus what they have been since like the Wii. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, like they're letting other people use the license. Like it was a, like they'd made a story in this game. There is a story and it's like, <laughs> all right, I believe you. And like, it's fun enough. It's really, it's like XCOM light mm-hmm. as far as like the gameplay, but it works perfectly for like what it is. Like if you want, you know, your kid to play it, like your kid could get it. Like they would understand how it goes. So I, I think it was awesome. As soon as you tag strategy to the game to it, I, I, I just completely lose interest. Like yeah. this, this whole category is just a, just a blur to me. I just, <laughs> I, I just have no interest in strategy. <laughs> I am a, I am a button masher gentleman, like Hollow Knight, <laughs> Cuphead. That's all me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next category is best family game, which was basically <laughs> for you know Nintendo, Nintendo. and then Sonic Mania. Um, so you had Super Mario Odyssey, Splatoon Two, Mario Plus Rabbit, Kingdom Battle, uh, Mario Kart Eight, and then Sonic Mania. This is not even fair. No, not even <laughs> fair. Not even like fair. when you if you if you take Mario out of it, it's like okay, that's there, there's more of a competition there. Putting Super Mario Odyssey, nah, 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 nah. Come on, yeah. <laughs> there's no way. And it's a shame. Uh, Sonic Mania. I wish it got a little bit more. More love. Press, yeah, a little bit more love because it's it's one of those things like it's a fan. It was you know for fans made by fans and you know it just it's just great. It's just like a little little, little love bottle to yeah. all of us. Uh, Still wasn't enough to get Sonic out of that tar <laughs> to get pit. Out of Super Mario. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they followed it up like six months later with the garbage Sonic game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whatever that was. Sonic Forces. Uh, yeah. Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Great game. Great game. It's Absolutely great. worth it. It's beautiful. Uh, best fighting game: Injustice Two, Tekken Seven, Nidhogg Two, Marvelous Capcom Infinite, and Arms. I had never heard of Arms till this. Really? What? Yeah. Arms is great. That's man. crazy. That's Arms funny. Is cool. I'm not a fighting game guy, so. Yeah. But still, that's. Hmm. Uh, Injustice Two was the winner, which I think totally deserved. Um, I was I've been hearing a lot of people talk, and it's just funny because, like, for me, I'm I am not a fighting game person at all. You are not. The only fighting game that I've played within the last like four years was the first injustice purely because of the story. And I think that's like a cool bar to set in the fighting game space. Like people, a lot of people I know played injustice two purely for the story. Yes. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I only played injustice one on easy mode, just so I can watch the story. And I, and I played it multiple times Yeah. because of the story and the narrative of, uh, injustice two is just as good, if not better, uh, and like, like, ah, God, it's, it's such a good, like, it's just so good that they focus on the story, then the gameplay and the gameplay is still great. Yeah. The, 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 what the, the costume mechanics of changing your, your fighting style and different ways to play the game. Like that's great. Online multiplayer, like not multiplayer, but online gameplay, uh, really well done. I, I can't really say much for these other games on this list. Like Nidhogg is a great like party game. Yeah. It's a party. It's game. one of those things like. That's a nice nod to them. They're, we're never going to win this category no. with these other ones. Tekken there. Seven, just the same by the books. If you like Tekken, yeah, just it's play like the with game. Tekken and Marvel vs. Capcom. It's like they just didn't do any. Like they're just making newer versions, yeah, prettier just, versions, just a new version. But it's like Injustice. It's cool because yeah, they had the armor element to it. They're adding you know a story mode that actually is a story mode. They made a whole comic line series that was incredible off of the first Injustice. Oh, totally. Like, everyone should totally. They read do it. all these different things and like Arms came out of nowhere as being like a fun like new Nintendo property. Well, you know, going along with the Switch had, you know, weird motion controls and stuff. But from what people said, they like it. They've been doing a ton of updates as far as, like, content and stuff. So it's, like, changing stuff up. It's always 
interesting to you know and the just, fighting game genre is so much smaller than it used to be and just as too with the new characters they come out with almost every yeah. other month and yeah, like, hey we're, we're, Ninja we're getting Ninja Turtles yeah we're getting awesome. Ninja Turtles it's gonna be great and, and like such a great reveal too with him in the you know in the, brown the classic Raphael like, God it's so cool <laughs> um, but that was fun to see uh, next category was best role playing game so we have Persona Five South Park the Fractured but Whole. Final Fantasy 15, which is so crazy because that came out December last year and missed it. It's been out for a whole year already. Uh, Divinity, Divinity, Original Sin 2, and Near Automata. You know, I got to say, I mean, I'm a huge RPG fan. I thought this year was pretty lackluster for RPGs. Um, I mean, with the one that came out last year, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> Final exactly. Fantasy. I mean, Final Fantasy is always going to get a nod. but um, You know, I've never played the Persona series. so They look awesome. From what I've seen of Persona 5 and what I've heard about it, it, it's just one of those things like, I would love to play it. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's like a great like 80-hour game. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> 80 hours. Right. Like, whereas, you know, you look at something like, you know, South Park, which is apparently like a 10-hour game. Kind right. of, it's like, yeah, like, I would love to do that. I just, uh, I've never, the first South Park never, like, grabbed me in the way that oh, I really? would assume it would. Yeah. I oh, couldn't I get through the first one. And I've heard that this one is the same, but more. Yeah, it just seems like it's it. a different battle system, different you know combat, and I've heard great things about Near. Near, I've heard some really great things. Same with Divinity Original Sin too. Yeah, um, I thought Near was gonna get it, but uh, I, I, you know, I'll check out Persona Five now that it's. I just you know. always heard so much more about Persona Five. I mean, Near got yeah. Near, there's a lot Near of got I, there's a lot of talk press. about Persona Five. Sure. Yeah, you know, like because even like a. I think that was kind of the thing for Near this year, though. Like everyone was sleeping on it because it came out yes. early in the year with like Zelda and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it came out the same time as like Horizon. So it's like people were playing other things when it came out. So it's just like I think it just kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Whereas yeah. like everyone was waiting for Persona Five because you know Persona Five came out a year and a half or two years ago in Japan, and we've been waiting for mm-hmm. the localization of it. Yeah. Uh, best action adventure game. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, Assassin's Creed Origins, Super Mario Odyssey, and Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, that's a tough What a list. weird category. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's such a weird category. It is. It's, it's a little, so non descript. Especially the one that you have an action game category and like, like it's, it's like, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, I'm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, what a, like, a lineup, but like, yeah, I'm I mean, also just not surprised by the winner. Yeah, Legend of Zelda yeah. Breath of the Wild won that category. I mean, yeah, it's it's a crazy, it's a, a very diverse list, I would say. Like, even just looking at, like, the two, you know, Nintendo games you have on there. Then you have Horizon Zero Dawn, Assassin's Creed, which I'm glad to see Assassin's Creed back on the list. Because, like, I loved the first couple games, and then they just went in such a weird uh, area. And people are really liking the new one a lot. And it's yeah, it's changed a lot of it. And it's actually changed the game, you know, right. quote, unquote, to be something more current and not just a copy A reskin. Yeah. Um, and then Uncharted Lost Legacy, that one, you know, I love Uncharted. You know, it's always going to get a nod on there in some way or form because their, you know, gameplay is so solid. Like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, like visually and their storytelling is really good. But yeah, Breath of the Wild winning for sure. It's definitely, definitely more the adventure. Best adventure game. Yeah, for, <laughs> for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's what's weird. Like if they, because yeah, the next category we're going to talk about is action game. They should just call it the best adventure game. Uh, best action game. Wolfenstein 2, Prey. Neo, Destiny 2, and Cuphead. The winner being Wolfenstein 2. That's I mean, also just a weird list. <laughs> Wolfenstein right. 2, and I totally get like, man, I've been hearing crazy good reviews yeah. about it, and I've been wanting yeah. to pick it up. And it you know, came out like 
Oh, for the years for this game to come out, it, it was, you know, the one to come out. And Yeah, there's so many games in these categories where it's like, man, if you had just come out last year or next year, you'd probably <laughs> be in a way better spot just as far as, like, your likelihood of winning. Because, like, yeah, it's just so strong this year. And that's what's great. It's so cool to, like, have this kind of stuff, like, really hitting, really hitting a good note. You've got, you know, a really healthy Sony. Like, they just hit 70 million units of PS4s sold. You've got Microsoft, who is, you know, in last place, you know, in the the market with between them and sony but they're really doing a lot of cool things as far as like gamer first kind of things and you've got nintendo just killing it coming out of nowhere when everyone's like i don't know about this <laughs> nintendo and like you know pc being just as popular as it's ever been those kind of things like it's really cool as a gamer to be yeah know, in this market right now um talking about wolfenstein 2 and especially bethesda like one thing that i loved about this award show is bethesda take a real big swing at ea this this uh reward show <laughs> Yeah, it took a lot of flack during this reward totally. show. Well, and they had their hashtag like save player one. Yeah. Was uh Bethesda's thing. Because EA is really selling like, oh, people don't want single player mm-hmm. games anymore. They're all about multiplayer games. This is what all of our studies have shown. And Bethesda just like came out and, and just like they had a video for it. They had all this stuff like, we're yeah. here to save the single player game, right? And I'm glad they got recognition for well, that. Well, it's cool when you look at these two, like, you know, three of these five games are completely single player, no multiplayer at all in it. Yeah. And it's really cool to like have those be up there and be of good quality. Uh, next category, best VR slash AR game. Um, <laughs> obviously, VR being a big push this year with uh, PlayStation getting in there with the PlayStation VR. Uh, the nominations were Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Super Hot, Star Trek Bridge Crew, Lone Echo slash Echo Arena, and then Farpoint. Resident Evil being the winner, I would say deservedly so oh yeah hands yeah, the, down more, the, most, the rest of these are just more like cool concept games yeah which I've a lot of VR, VR is, VR is yeah. incredible yeah because super hot VR is like a whole nother super hot game yeah um, bridge crew being like a fun like you know like if you have a bunch of people who are playing if you have a bunch of people who has $800 computers with $400 headsets <laughs> on you know but yeah Resident Evil 7 being a game that is both playable not in VR and in VR is awesome like that's exactly what you know we as gamers want from a vr title we want something that's not just like a gimmick like you know you have all those like weird 20 minute experience things it's like yeah those are cool after a while it's like yeah i'm I'm done with this i want to play like a game um so it's cool to see that one in there uh best handheld game will gloss over metroid samus returns one which i think is awesome because metroid games are super fun you know going back to the old 2d side scroller ones definitely deserved in that category Best mobile game was Monument Valley 2. Check it out. It's great. Totally awesome. Uh, Really cool, really fun way to play with like mobile games. The other ones in there are are great as well. Uh, Best ongoing game. Uh, So Overwatch, Warframe, Rainbow Six Siege, Grand Theft Auto, Online, Destiny 2, and PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds. I think what's crazy about this category is that it's a category. Yeah. It's so weird nowadays, (laughs) especially looking at um, two of these games on the, or three of these games on the list where you have. Warframe, Rainbow Six Siege, and then Grand Theft Auto Online. Grand Theft Auto Online has been online for five years now. Yeah. yeah. And it's bigger than it has ever been. It's still just selling like hotcakes. Like Grand Theft Auto is still being sold now. And that game came out so long ago. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege was basically a dead on release game that has since then built up such a player base oh, in like yeah. treating their players well. They went to like a free to play model. Like they did all these different things or they went to like a discounted model. And you've got Warframe, which is, again, another game that's been out for five years. Right. Like, and they had a huge update this year that made the game completely different. Like, it's so 
like it's so interesting because like you know we're in this like cycle of like you know we have destiny 2 you know just recycling getting basically throwing away the old game to start another one Mm -hmm. and just like having that kind of thing it's so interesting like the ecosystems that with gaming becoming as prolific as it is like you can have very large ecosystems for games that still exist years after they come out and i think this this uh like category kind of says a lot about where we are in games now like i was thinking about back when you could start to download your games onto your console and you didn't have to buy things i was like oh man like i was wondering what that would do for longevity of games and also would you ever need to have a sequel right was my question is like if you could just like update update the game to Mm -hmm. the next point right and i think this ongoing games are sort of doing that you know like where the game might not do well when it first comes out, but if it has a dedicated community and even more a dedicated development team that is keeping making the game better, these games can get better and do get better. Um, and it's just super cool to see these examples and see how basically, you know, a game can grow and change yeah. now. Well, like Grand, like Grand Theft Auto Online, like... That game when it was originally out, like you could barely do anything. Now they have heists. They're the new heist that's coming out where you basically go to space and like do like a <laughs> space heist. And like you have all these things, like you can build up these communities. There's this really cool um, documentary uh, filmmaker on YouTube called uh, his name is Danny O'Dwyer, and he runs a YouTube channel called No Clip. Um, he just released a full documentary. He makes like really legitimate documentaries. It was about this um, squad in Grand Theft Auto Online called. hillbilly agenda (laughs) um and it's this it's this it's started by this guy who is a uh like it's just awesome um it's started uh it's just this group of guys who've been playing for you know four years now they used to play like red dead together and it comes to this point where the documentaries um takes place when they're having their yearly get together and people fly in from all over the place who are part of this hillbilly agenda and like they have people as far as like canada who Mm. like and there's like 30 of them 40 of them uh, that all just come together and like they're just like this family within Grand Theft Auto hmm. and like it's a super cool doc you guys should all check it out it's no clip on YouTube cool um, but it's just like these weird ecosystems and me and John were talking a couple weeks ago like Overwatch was on that one best ongoing game and we were talking about like man like thinking about this game like it's almost a year and a half since it came out like there's gonna be people who don't understand how certain characters play anymore and how the meta you know changes from season yeah. to season like mercy for example yeah. like her ultimate ability used to be just res everybody in her vicinity now that's just a general ability to do one at a time yeah that's crazy right like i feel like like i haven't played in since doomfist was released which was like a month or so ago and i already feel like i have lost complete touch of how the game is supposed to be played right it's crazy it's so interesting like how they've just been building and building and building and then with player unknowns battlegrounds they just added a new map um, or it's in beta, I think, for the new map. Yeah. Um, Destiny 2, obviously, you know, when you look at the first Destiny from where it started to where it ended, completely different games. You know, I'm actually, to be honest, surprised that Destiny 2 made it onto best ongoing game because... I mean, it's still it's relatively... Like, it's like, it, it's yeah. new. I think, it's it's, new. I think, honestly, it's more of a nod to Destiny 1 yeah, than Destiny 2. Yeah, I think 2. it's more... That's what it is because, I mean, also, the player base of Destiny 2 has dropped down substantially. I'm more surprised, yet not surprised, that Minecraft is on this list. Right. And like it's one of those things like yeah. it's like yeah not a lot of things that happen to Minecraft but like man that used to be just like that would always probably be on yeah, this list yeah if this was a category earlier I think like, so I think it's just Minecraft I think is finally on its its 
starting to be it's not <laughs> sunsetted but it's you know it's moving towards not really being the talk of the town kind of thing <laughs> after years yeah. yeah um next category games for impact uh, so this is for a thought-provoking game or pro- profound pro-social meanings or messages. Uh, so the nominees were Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, Please Knock on My Door, Night in the Woods, Life is Strange Before the Storm, Bury Me, My Love, and What Remains of Edith Finch. What a cool category. Right? What it's a awesome. cool it's, category. It's awesome. This is another one, just like the last one. It's like, it's cool that this is a category. It's cool that they're really like, these games are meant to talk to us about like subject matter that is important. Yeah. And also just like, the fact that it acknowledges something that games can do as a media, right? That are, you know, like we can, we could say films could have a impact category, right? But the fact that the interactive medium makes these, the impact of these games and the emotional journey of these games just so profound. And some of these games, like I've talked to people who have played some of them, just like their experiences of those narratives have like really just like they had an impact. Like they were actually a substantial moment of like, whoa, like this made me feel. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's Well, just like the interactive awesome. storytelling is so cool because it just it, it puts you there. Like, especially like I've played um I haven't been able to play before the storm, but I played the first Life is Strange and just like being able to put in that story with them is awesome. Like just experiencing these stories. Um and like Hellblade Sin was sacrifice. I played the first like couple levels of it and it's so crazy. Like, they just do such a good job of making you like feel a certain way that you definitely couldn't get from like a movie because you're not in control. You're not doing these things as that character kind of thing. So it's really cool that this is what's cool about games. And this is what's, I'm glad that they're focusing on like, these are why games are awesome. These are why they're changing. And this is our, you know, evolution and what we can do and offer that's different than film or TV or, you know, books or whatever. And the winner of that was Hellblade. Senua Sacrifice. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, best performance. So this was uh, awarded to the individual for voice acting, motion, and or performance capture. Uh, the nominees were Melissa Jurgens for Hellblade as Senua in Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Uh, Laura Bailey, uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy as Nadine Ross. Claudio Black in for Uncharted Lost Legacy as Chloe Frazier. Brian Bloom uh, for Wolfenstein 2 as BJ Blaskovitz. And <laughs> Ashley Birch for Horizon Zero Dawn as Aloy. Is that really how it's pronounced? Aloy, yeah. Uh, yeah. I always keep saying alloy in my head. That's two L's. I guess. I would understand why you would think that. Given the <laughs> I, game mean, I don't own a PS4, so I don't, I never play the game. So. Yeah. Uh, this one's cool. Like, it's awesome to have a category like this because I think that this is another thing that, like, this is, there's just as much acting in video games now as there is in movies and TV. Right. Like, it was cool. Uh, the I think the coolest thing about this category was it was presented by Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. and like what a cool way to like give a nod to like he knows more than anyone what these people go through right as being a person who is one of probably the best actors in hollywood right now who's almost barely ever on screen yeah <laughs> like as himself <laughs> it's super cool to see this um melina jurgens uh won for her performance is senua and hellblade senua sacrifice what's cool about her she was just the video editor for Ninja Theory, mm-hmm. she was always just a placeholder, and like they ended, she ended up giving a performance that was just exactly what they wanted. And I think that's super cool. Checking out the video diaries for the making of it, like her performance is just like what they did with the the rigs and how she like went through that is nuts. Yeah, <laughs> and like 
all these other people are incredible. Ashley Birch, who's been in a bunch of things, and Laura Bailey and Claudia Black as, you know, their two characters from the Uncharted series. Just killing it. This is just another cool category, and I think it's one of those things that people don't think about but legitimizes, you know, video games as, like, a form of art and a form of, like, you know, storytelling nowadays. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's a neat category, but also, it's also very... It's like it's very specific to certain types of video games because obviously, like, there's not going to be this doesn't apply to games like Cuphead or like you know the 2D platformers. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like one of those things. Like, it's a cool category. Like, I, I have no real problem with it. It just to me, it just seems like slightly out of place. But I appreciate it for it being there. I think it's cool because like Brian Bloom, he didn't do any motion capture. That's purely a, a oh, voice actor. purely for voice acting. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's great. Yeah, then. so that's, that's a, you can also be nominated. It just happened to be because I think Laura Bailey and Claudia Black do. Their motion capture, Malia Jurgens obviously did. Well, that's what's so great about like the the game. And I don't think there's just so many things that it just applies to. I I think that we don't often take enough time to acknowledge the voice actors in games, right? They're just sort of like they're the character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Best audio design, recognizing the best game in audio and sound design. The nominees were Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, Destiny Two, Resident Evil Seven: Biohazard, Legend of Zelda: Breath of Wild, and Super Mario Odyssey. The winner being Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which I think is totally, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if a game tells you, put headphones on, it's going to have something that is specific to the storytelling element that wouldn't be present in something else. Yeah. Um, And I think it totally deserves the nod that it got. Destiny 2, obviously, Bungie is incredible at creating guns that feel and sound great. Resident Evil Seven. I I, just, I can't. I can imagine that the sound design is good enough that I would never want to play that game. <laughs> just because it would scare the crap out. Of me. And I mean, honestly, for me, Legend of Zelda was awesome. The sound design yeah. was cool. Just like the little, just like the little things they would add. Just like the music and stuff that would be, you know, uh, diegetic where it would sound like it's in the world and things that would like give you cues. And then Super Mario Odyssey just. Mario sounding as good as he always is. I'm surprised that there just aren't more like horror games on this list. Like it's one of, like there's just not a bunch of horror games coming out. I know, like not not yeah. like came out this year. Believe but me, it's, I'm one, aware. it's one of those things where like God, you just expect more than just Resident Evil Seven being like the yeah. outside of Prey though. Like there's been. Like, <laughs> I think that changed the game though too because it was VR, so you have like headphones yeah. as well too. Yeah, and then like yeah, just the horror games this year were not. They just didn't hit. Yeah, they just didn't hit, buddy. Next no, no, category, no, no, it's okay. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Next category it. in a similar vein. <laughs> Best score slash music, Nier Automata, Destiny 2, <laughs> Cuphead, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, and Persona 5. Nier Automata being the winner. I'm, I am I, surprised. I, I mean, I haven't played it, so I guess, I guess that's fair. <laughs> sure, sure. But like, Mario Odyssey, oh man, the music in that game, more than just like the traditional Mario themes. Yeah, I, awesome. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't really think I want Breath of the Wild on this list, but Mario Odyssey, like, Breath of the Wild's tough. The, but, the, I think Breath of the Wild, literally for the like intro song, that's why it's on this list. Yeah, that but, intro song is so good. But like Mario, Mario Odyssey, like man, each world like has such great, unique music that's just like tied to itself. Yeah, like you go to like Dunk, Dunk City, like all like got Pauline's, like a jazzy, like a, a swing music, and then you got go to Force the. Uh, Forest World, I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, it's like Forest Kingdom. Forest Kingdom, brother, and like that guy, that, that music just like sticks to me. It just sticks to me. I I play it on loop sometimes. And it's great. Yeah. I mean, I I I gotta try out Nier Automata's uh, Nier Automata. uh, soundtrack now because I I haven't yeah. heard it yet, and yeah. I yeah, would love to like sit down and listen to it. Uh, next category: Best Art Direction. 
nominees were Cuphead, Destiny 2, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Persona 5, and Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm, to be honest, I'm surprised Destiny 2 is on this list. It's surprising how much how often Destiny 2 is on these lists. And <laughs> it's also not surprising how few times it has won. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's fair. Um, Cuphead was the winner, which, yeah. Hands down. I would say, honestly, the biggest like competitor is persona for me like looking at that thing that game's art style is awesome but like cuphead just it it was one of those things like it shouldn't have worked but it does so well everything fits so well i think horizon zero dawn like as a conceptual level awesome i think the the problem is is it just looks like a generic playstation game Right, like it hits the same graphics that all PlayStation adventure games sort of like take on these days. Yeah, not to say that they're bad; they're incredible in what they are. But it's like, yeah, there's a there's a type. There's a type, and I think that and Cuphead just came out of nowhere. And it just it's art style, and it just like everything is so different than what you're used to. It just yeah. I wish they gave Cuphead just like some sort of like special award all on their own. Just like it's like it's like, how, <laughs> like yeah. where did that come from? Like how how did you guys say like we're gonna do a 2D right. animated hand animated game? And make with, it like, great, and make it dark like, too. Yeah. <laughs> and with like, yeah, it was like everything great music, everything just came together for, so well for that game. Like, God, just like, just somebody, like everyone, just everyone, just let everyone pat them on the back. Yeah, like man. 20, 20 minutes of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, next category is best narrative, and the nominees were What Remains of Edith Finch, Near Automata, So Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, Wolfenstein Two, and Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, like I have heard so much about what remains of Aegis yeah, Bench, and I've I watched a couple videos on like some of the design for this game, and it's been on my list to like play. I didn't like I actually missed when it came out because I'd been. Like, it been was so on... funny when I was looking at this. I was like, man, didn't that come out like three years ago? Right. I was like, oh yeah, it came out just earlier in the year. Yeah, just like I I remember that I was, like, it was you know it was in development forever, and I just I've heard that this like you think you get this game when you start it, yeah. and then. Like you hit the halfway point and you you don't you don't see it coming. Like the rest of the game is just crazy, and, and I and I love that this isn't you know this is another thing that's cool and I, I think what's awesome about video games and they just get so overlooked is just like best narrative. Like these are all great. All of these games tell such different stories. It's not just like um who's who's the biggest guy with the biggest gun game this year. You know it's like these are like completely different stories, but they all have incredible narratives in their own way, and that's what's really cool about it. Yeah. Best game direction. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Wolfenstein 2, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Super Mario Odyssey, and Horizon Zero Dawn. The winner being Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I think it deserves it. Yeah. I think for a game that had to remake a like a series and like go back to its roots but also go forward like talk about knowing what your design is going to be and playing to your design in a brave new way yeah i think what's cool like the best way like you know you look at you're like oh really? like game direction but it's like awarded to a game studio for outstanding creative vision and innovation in a game direction and design it's amazing that they were both able to simultaneously bring zelda into the like modern age of like open world RPG, but keep what was the original Zelda's core, yeah. which was just exploration and finding stuff out. What's cool is this game became 
a water cooler game of just like people bringing like, oh, have you tried this? No, you can do that. Oh yeah. If you like, you know, chop this tree down, it can make a bridge across. And you're just like all these things that like, there's no way for the game to tell you all these things. It just wants you to learn these things. Yeah. And that's, what's so great about this game. I love that part of it. Is there a player's guide to this game? Like I, a, I think there are. Like it's because like like you were saying. Because I like, just don't think you can even make a real one. Like in like the way that the Zelda guides have been for the previous games. It's like you go here, then here, then here. It's like, yeah. I, I was just so I was so goddamn happy being able to just like you you because you and I like got the game uh, opening uh, opening day and just like you and I just exchanging like notes about like oh hey did you see, find like this secret shrine like that involves this no no what like oh no did you see the dragon there's a dragon yeah, there are right? dragons like yeah. oh my god like no like like yeah. just like all these things that you and I just like completely like the paths we took were completely opposite yeah and like it's like like how crazy that like, you and I like the, like anyone can play their very own special version of the Zelda game any way you want it it was awesome. And that's, you know, not to take anything away from those. I think, you know, Super Mario Odyssey was a great by-the-numbers Mario game, honestly, in my opinion. I would say there's not anything crazy different from the other ones. But, like, what they did with that, with especially integrating, like, the 2D and 3D in the world. And, like, really, like, thinking about different ways to change it up. Resident Evil, obviously, going back to its traditional horror roots instead of, you know, what became basically an action third-person shooter with 5 and 6. Uh, Wolfenstein 2, you know really sticking to like this is a single player this is you know the direction we want to go those kind of things and really building an interesting world is really cool and then horizon zero dawn gorilla going from kill zone a first person shooter and then changing completely to go around and make a third person open world rpg is awesome yeah and now for the coup de gras game of the year the nominees <laughs> legend of zelda breath of the wild super mario odyssey player unknown's battlegrounds Persona 5, and Horizon Zero Dawn. <coughs> I mean, what a good There's line. only one game that doesn't deserve to be on this list. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> Player on <Unknown> Battlegrounds. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not done. Yeah. It's not, not a complete game. Should not be on this list. Oh, no. I mean, on this, on it's category. changed things, but it yeah. is not the game of the year. I mean... It's in, if one if you if this category was like the impact of games on totally. the year maybe right totally but like just like the Oscars this is like the you know you got the best director followed by best film and usually whoever wins best director always takes best film and again yep you know as Legend we said Zelda. Legend of Zelda like <laughs> it gets it from what we just talked about totally. right just like the experience people had with it and also just like as a Nintendo game taking a franchise that has well that is well known and going all the way back to like Legend of Zelda the first one right that open world game we were just finding like yeah you, you know, had no idea where you had to write graphs out you had to draw these right? things like the um oh man all the is, dungeons you had to like you didn't know yeah. where they were Mem- remembering uh how the lost woods works like right. remembering oh don't uh, if you put a bomb next to the third flower on the right on this corner it uh, creates a cave like well how would i know yeah. right. there's no audio cues there's no nothing yeah, yeah, yeah just try it and <laughs> i think that they went from that and then looked at what made everyone love the modern Zeldas, but also knowing that they had to change, like, it, yeah, it yeah. just, it did it. It yep. did yeah. it. Or like, like the, the, the behind the scenes stuff where they talked about how when they designed the world, they originally drew it out. In 2D. In 2D. Just like, just like, God, it's like, like yeah. one of those things, it's like, God, that's so simple, but like, that totally works. Completely, like, if you like, especially when you need to scope out a world that big for this game and just, oh man, 
just, and just going back to like so you know because Shigeru Miyamoto, one of the creators, always talked about like he used to just like go out and just like explore and go find caves when he was a kid, and like that's what he his like you know thought process was when he was making the first Zelda game. It's like yeah, that's just what it is. Like this is another game where you just like pop in and you're like, well, what's over there? And then you like find something you're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. And it just like it gets you interested. It gets you moving throughout the world. And, like it's just such a like uh, you know it's fun to have those moments where like you know you you know even with us we watch movies all the time where you like see them we're like okay this is this kind of movie with these kind of things and then you get those movies that change it mm-hmm. that let you see something in a new way and that's what zelda was for like a gamer like you got to look at it and be like man so many have done this but this just changes it just a little bit that it gets me totally invested in it yeah and i can, and i really appreciate the fact that it never really made me feel like i was ever op yeah. Even no matter how far along into the game I was, because every item you have has a limit, yep. and which yeah, ma- which forces you to be more creative in how you play the game. And god damn it, that like god, just, just seeing the videos of people do just like get through certain obstacles or just like find their way to certain paths in a completely unique way. On well, just the like, well, you know, do I have to defeat these divine beasts to go eat Ganon? No, you can just go fight him right away. Yeah. What? Yeah, you can just go straight to him. Like if you want to do that, like the whole like that's Good always luck. the that's always <laughs> the argument with these type of games is like oh you know it's got you know the savior of uh, Skyrim you know just walking around you know picking onions and stuff it's like no you can do this you're not strong enough but you can go do this yeah. right now we dare you and I love that there's like there's literally like we dare you yeah like <laughs> right there it's right like, there yeah. go for it touch it why not so <laughs> it actually gives like a reason why you take the time like right. it legitimizes you know you taking time. It's just cool, man. It's great. Yeah, it's a great, great game. game. Great and year. like, great year. you know, all these other ones, like Super Mario Odyssey is incredible. Like, it's awesome. Like, it's so cool what they've done with the Mario franchise. And I just think it was, Mario's are so good. And this was just another good Mario game. But it wasn't what Zelda, you know, when we, the last Zelda game we had was Skyward Sword, which is a terrible Zelda game. <laughs> Not my favorite. <laughs> and like, the last Mario game we had was great. And this Mario game is great. So it's like, these are great games. They're really consistent, but it just didn't change things the way Breath of the Wild did. Because Zelda had a formula yeah. that they completely changed but still kept it Zelda. I hope that Nintendo walks away from this year with the success of Zelda and uses that as a way to inspire them to take those risks. Yeah. I think that's what they, we've been seeing from Nintendo so far, which is what's been awesome. Um, and then Persona 5, that's a game I really want to get to. I just The more and more I see about it, the more even that like 80-hour hump. I want to get over that because it looks awesome. Yeah. Like, it looks incredible. And Horizon Zero Dawn, I played. It's great. It's super cool. Like, it's a great, it's like, it's just a great version. It's like a great melding of, uh, you know, like an Uncharted style game and then like Fallout. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you've got that open world, but it really has that good narrative thrust to get you through the game. And then PUBG can get off this list. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what, that was game of the year this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm super happy with this. Super stoked. Um I thought this was just an amazing year for games. And of the trailers that came out for that were released. Yeah, that was it, cool. It was like, mm-hmm. that's what's cool. That's what's awesome about this versus like the Oscars. The Oscars is just kind of like a circle jerk of people being like, yeah, this is all this. This was actually <laughs> giving us information. And like Zelda, we've been waiting for this DLC. And they're like, hey, guess what? Available tonight. Like, what? Like, how cool is yeah. this? Like, it's cool because it gets to be a press conference like mm. E3. And I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about, What's cool about this too is like you don't get all of these studios in a room together to announce stuff all at the same time. Like it was cool to have Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo all in the same room together 
just being excited about video games. Yeah. Yeah. Like Nintendo talking about Bayonetta three, you know, like making that a release, you know, getting all the, we got the GTFO, we got all these different like game releases. It's like super cool that it's just like, this is a, like, this is what it's for. It's about the games. And it's not about, you know, the stockholders and all these different things. It's about the games. That's what's cool about this one night. Yeah. For now. For now. For now. <laughs> but I, I would say this was the best oh, yeah. reward show of the five years that they've done it. I for think sure. that this oh, is yeah. definitely, this is, was it? And if they could hold this as their, like, yeah, standard the level. Awards. Like, if they can go above this, great. But yeah. if this can be the minimum standard, they're they're going to make yeah, something awesome. serious here. Yep. But, yeah. Cool. So I guess we're going to be moving on to the movies to watch this week. Cool. Let's make this fast. All right. I'm uh, going to go first. You are? All yeah. Right. Cool, cool, cool. With my movie, The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, my God. Uh, this is the 2002 version uh, starring Jim Caviezel, Guy Pierce, and Richard Harris. I really, really enjoy this movie. It's a fun, you know, retelling. Obviously, Count of Monte Cristo is a tale as old as time. <laughs> uh you know um alexander dumas uh, classic story you have uh you get to see dumbledore in a role <laughs> other than being dumbledore uh but jim caviezel really sells it and you really have the um i guess it's just what's the what can i think of like the antagonistic relationship between him and guy pierce who was once you know his good friend yeah. who betrayed him um really well shot like i remember it just looking beautiful for what it was and it mm-hmm. just is like you know it wasn't the biggest movie in the world but it had a you know pretty good budget didn't do great um but just watching jim caviezel you know in his imprisonment time on what is the place going the f- france no like he's in that <laughs> what he's in that like castle or whatever yeah 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 where, where, where he's that, trapped. Yeah, that wherever that prison was. Yeah. yeah. And just like, you know, like they did a lot of really cool stuff with like his training montages and stuff like that. And I just think it's a really fun movie, like especially if you like, you know, that kind of like time period of like the eight, early 1800s kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of the one that I recommend this week. I think people should go watch it. Yeah, it's a really fun movie. Uh, my movie of the week uh, is The Family Stone. Uh, it's a Christmas film for the festive time of the year. Uh this is a film that I I was pretty uh, resistant to watching because of a good friend of mine was trying to get me to watch it for a long time. It's I was very pleasantly surprised. It's about a family that's getting having a reunion for uh, the holidays, and it's just about how, like how you know like those classic dysfunctional family like everyone's got their problems. This guy's the stoner. This guy's the uptight one. And it's one of and it's it's surprisingly charming for what it is. Uh, just about a big old family getting together. Uh, oldest son's just introducing his uh, soon-to-be wife, uh, trying to convince his parents to, like, hey, give us our blessing to get married. Everyone can see that this relationship isn't working. And it's just, like, it's just, it's just a really classic dysfunctional family film that just, like, comes together really nicely and ends on a really, like, sentimental note. And it's one of those movies that I... I I could really appreciate it because it doesn't get too sappy. Like mm. there's like there's definitely a moment in the film that you think, oh man, this is the classic where shit goes down and everyone's gonna fight. But no, it turns into like a really quick Christmas like comedy chase scene around the house. 
because like there's a big old scene about like uh, a character is cheating on another person, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, they're gonna fight each other, they're gonna kill each other." No, they just start playing. Dun, 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 and everyone starts running around the house, and it's, it's really fun. It's really light, and I I thoroughly enjoy this film. I think it's a great little uh, great little uh, fluffy family piece that if you want to just like turn on in the background for the holiday season, it wouldn't hurt. I love it. I'd watch it again this year. Awesome. Um, my film this week is The Secret of Roninish. Um, it's an Irish film set in uh, that was filmed back in like 1994. Um, it's an excellent indie film. This is such a good movie. Um, it's about a young girl by the name of Fiona who's sent to live with her grandparents. Um, is this the prequel to Shrek? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. But uh, she uh, does have fantasy elements, though. Um, she goes to live with her. Her grandparents, and uh, she starts to learn about her family's history um, and relation to the island they used to belong to, Roninish, and about her long-lost baby brother that disappeared when the family moved away from their, their ancestral home. And it's about when she goes to, back to the island one day to visit it and believes she finds her brother living by the sea with seals. And uh, she starts to learn about her family history, relationship to like Irish silkies and those that mythology. And it's just a really good family film. And one of the best things about this movie is the music. The mm. music just carries the movie through, and it adds such a powerful emotional resonance to the the scenes that happen in the film. And some of the like, you can tell it's an indie film when you watch it, but it's so beautiful. The colors and how it's shot and the acting is so good. Um, it's really heartwarming, and I think that if you're looking for a film that's really about family and uh, storytelling, this is a film to go see. Um, and if you need to find it, you can just come to Rowan's house, because I doubt you can probably find this movie anywhere. <laughs> um, I think you can actually get it on uh, Amazon and a few other services. I think you can rent it on Netflix for the DVD, but yeah. I don't think it's on much <laughs> streaming services nowadays. Cool. Nice. Solid. Well, that is another episode. Thank you, folks. We did it, guys. And there will be an inserted uh, who won the contest. I mean, right if I decide to do it. Here. It's up to me. <laughs> I oh, am wait, the we're, king. We were backing out of that contest, right? <laughs> 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 All right, guys. All right, Have guys. a good week. Have a good night, guys. Later.